Recorded live. It is amazing. Thank you for being here. We're in our continued series of 1 John chapter 1, and we really have tried to express something that isn't taught often anymore, and that's where and how we have the blood cleansed so that we can remain in life. Now, so far, we have discussed our access to life is through the Word. And in order for it to come through the Word, that brings us into a position with the apostles first. And because of their relationship to Christ and the Father, we then share through them that relationship with the Father and with the Son but never apart from the Word. The Word is our means of having access to the apostles and to the one that they had fellowship with, the Father and the Son. And then he says in in our verse that we're particularly dealing with uh, in verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, folks, that is a standard that just cannot be beat. That means that in the same way that God walks in truth, you walk in truth. Now, I want to see the hands of all of you who have the same appreciation for truth and honor for the truth as God has. Let's see your hands. Well, we got three. The rest of you can just go to hell. Oh, got four. Now five. Oh, no, now six. Seven, we got them, <laughs> 100%. See, you got to have a little threat, don't we? See my point, Neil? You do. <clears throat> now, so we have to walk in the light as he is in the light. Then the marvelous thing by walking that way, because, see, that puts us in the light. If we walk in the information, in the information of truth that's revealed to us in the Holy Scriptures, then it says real clearly that we have fellowship with one another. That's the basis of our, of our fellowship. The basis of our fellowship is not how good of an apple pie you can make. Now, that really helps. But that's not the key. It's not how many of you like football. Now, I used to like it. I don't like it much anymore. Now, that's just because I'm getting old and, you know... When I can't outrun them, why would I want to watch them? They're no competition, <clears throat> or they're too great. I, can you believe that whether you're reading, watching basketball or football, how fast and how quick these players are? You know, I, I can't think that. It's just like a piano player. You know, they got all ten fingers working at one time, all over that board. And somehow they work, and it's harmony. I don't, I don't know how they do that. I think maybe they're robots. I don't think anybody can play like they, or like Sharon does. I just don't know. <clears throat> but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, that's the condition of fellowship. Not how much we eat together, not how much we chat together, but how much we're in the Word together. That's the beauty of it all. 
We can all be in fellowship with one another if we walk in the light as he is in the light. And when we do that, now it brings us down to where we were last Sunday, now the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. You see, without that fellowship with one another, based on walking in the light as he is in the light, there is no cleansing of the blood on a perpetual basis. Oh, we've talked about two things. But you see, this is one we we haven't really dealt with. We have to have that common condition of living our lives and walking in the light as he is in the light, having the desire to do so. Then we have fellowship with one another, and then... And then the blood of Christ continues to cleanse us from all sin. Of course, some of you say, I don't sin, I don't need that. Well, I I didn't kill anybody this week. Well, bless your heart. That's wonderful. What about this week? Well, that's maybe a different story. But we've talked about the two places where a Christian, first of all, comes into the blood that makes what happens in our verse that we're just quoting to you, makes it happen. First, this is by way of review, we come into contact with the blood of Christ when we do what it is we're to do that symbolizes where he shed his blood. Now, where did he shed his blood? On the cross. Was he just coming to life or just what? He was just dying he, in his death. Didn't he shed his blood in his death? He shed his blood in his death. So Romans chapter 6 tells us that we are buried with him in the likeness of his death when we have been what? Baptized in water. Water is the means whereby we can come into the identity where we can do in form what Christ did in reality. He doesn't ask us to shed blood with him, but to come into that which represents where he shed his blood, and that's in the grave of baptism, which is a type of being buried with him. That's where he shed his blood. That's where we come into an arrangement with God where God says he adds this to the body of believers in Acts 2.47. So that's one point. That's where we initiate. We come, we begin our Christian process. We begin the process of being saved where? Having believed and then buried with Christ in his likeness in water baptism. That's Romans chapter 6. We've read these verses three or four times. Now he has set another provision, for he has added us to the church, his body, and now that covenant that is made with you and God when you are baptized, that you have been cleansed of all of your sins and are free from all of your past, that covenant, the covenant is renewed weekly where? You're right. At McDonald's. 
No, no, that's not right. All right, at the Lord's table, this is the this is the body and the blood of our Lord. This is the covenant, Jesus said in Matthew 26. This is the covenant of my blood. When you all are partaking of that blood covenant, you are renewing that covenant for the next week. Now, I know somebody says, well, somebody's always telling me, asking me, well, what about if you miss a week? I don't know. I don't know how God's going to deal with that. The point is, we ought not be missing those weeks. We won't have to ask the question then, will we? We need to be around the Lord's table on the Lord's day, and if you're someplace where you can't be that, you have it at home. Is that understood? You don't miss the Lord's Supper. Because otherwise, you're extending yourself beyond the contract, out of bounds of the covenant that God has made with you that he wants you to renew weekly at, the, at, at and around the Lord's table, remembering his death. And in his death, he shed his blood. You've been united with Christ in his burial And he says, as many as have been buried with him, they rise to walk in the same way. As Christ rose from the dead, you arise from the dead of your trespasses and sin into a new life and new favor with God. How can you beat that? And then the church provides the Lord's Supper for those to partake. And to do so, we do so, we do so, or do we do do so? in memory of him, as Nolan was teaching this morning. But we do so by examining ourselves, taking of it in a worthy manner. It doesn't mean you have to be worthy. He's talking about the manner in which you partake. That means that while you're partaking, you're wondering who's winning the cowboy game. No, see, that's not, that's not, that's not in a worthy manner. He's talking about the manner in which you partake that you're taking it because you're focusing, you're focusing, you're focusing on what it is that what you're doing represents. And all oh, it's so hard for people to remember to focus and stay focused all the way through the communion time, to stay focused on what it is, what we're doing, why we're doing it, and what it continues to perpetuate in our relationship with God. Now, let's read a couple of verses. Let's go to Romans, or Ephesians, first of all. Ephesians chapter 1, and we may have read some of these before, but I want to confirm what we're just saying and add a few thoughts as we go along here for a few verses. Because we're talking about the blood in, in our verse 7, that the blood of Christ continues to cleanse us from all sin. It cleanses us from all sin. Now, we're going to deal with the sin issue maybe beginning next week. If I'm alive and all goes well, Ephesians 1, 7, in him, Now, there's an interesting phrase. Now, he's talking specifically in Ephesians chapter 1 about the apostles. 
But you'll notice that when he gets to verse 13, he says, if you're where the apostles were, the same thing is applicable to you as it was to them. That's verse 13. So you have to be careful about your pronouns. Here he's talking specifically about the apostles, but in 13 he says some of these things are, are, are applicable to you as well, providing you do the same things that we did. See that? That's Ephesians chapter 1. So let me go back. Let's go back to verse uh, 6. <clears throat> well, let me, let me go back to verse 4. This is free. <clears throat> verse 4, just to pick up so that we you understand where I'm coming from there. Just as he chose us. Who did he choose? Who's the us? The apostles. He chose the apostles. He did not choose you. He chose the result of what you do. But you choose as to whether or not you're going to be a partaker of the result or not. You see the difference? Just as he chose us who are where? Do we have it up here? All right. He chose us. Now, if you go back to verse 1, he's talking about the apostles. We don't need to do that. Just as he chose us who are positioned where? In him. And by the way, this is great on our uh, Thursday night class about heavenly places in Christ. When and how do we get in him? Acts 2.38 says, Repent therefore and be baptized every one of you into the name of Jesus Christ. For what reason? For the remission of sins. That's where you have your sins forgiven. Now, we are baptized into. Into means a change of relationship, a change of state. If you're outside the building and you come into the building and it's snowing outside, what is it doing inside? Hopefully. It shouldn't be snowing. Because you've changed your position. You've changed your state. Now, once you're in, so he's talking about once you have been baptized into Christ for the purpose of having your sins forgiven, because that's where you come under the blood of Christ, nowhere else. We have it perpetuated at the Lord's Supper, but the Lord's Supper, without having been into Christ, doesn't accomplish that. Just as he chose us, the apostles who are positioned in him, that in means position, before the foundation of the world, that we, we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to... Now, who did he predestine? He, he, the us is still the apostles. He predestined the apostles to be adopted as sons through Christ Jesus to himself. That's unique with the apostles according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on whom? Who are where? In him or in the beloved. Now verse 7. In him, now particularly in this verse, who's the we now? It's still the apostles. In him we 
have redemption. Even the apostles have found their redemption where? In Christ. Because, as it says, we have redemption through his blood where? In him. Now, remember what I said in verse 13. He includes you and me in this one, too. Is there any redemption, any redemption, any purchasing back by God of you from death and hell apart from having your sins forgiven? Let me state it more clearly. Without the blood of Jesus, there is no forgiveness, no remission of sin. Is that clear? There is no moving into glory land. Whether speaking of the church or the church eternal. There is no without the shedding of blood and without the blood of Jesus. There is no remission of sin. Now since that's the criteria of the New Testament, shouldn't Ought that not be the theme of the church's message? Because what is the problem with humanity is sin. Now, you probably don't realize it. I realize the government is sinless. There's nothing going on wrong with the government. Now, you know that. It doesn't make any difference whether you're in Russia or Poland or the United States or anywhere. Everybody who works with the government are sinless, right? Some of you are agreeing? you got a problem. <laughs> no. No. Everybody, sin is the problem. That's what has separated from man from God. And when you're separated from God, things go awry. Things aren't going to work out right. Well, you might say, I can bluff my way through. That may be true. But someday you're going to have to die and face God. Someday it's not going to work out for you. The best thing is to get right now and to deal with your life and to deal with the sin issue Because apart from the blood of Christ, without the blood of Christ, there is no remission of sin. And you don't want to face God with unforgiven sin. How important is it? We have redemption through his blood. We have through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses. That's according to the richness of his richness of his grace. Look at Colossians chapter one. <clears throat> Another factor of the blood, and through him to reconcile i got to go back to verse 19. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell where? i got to make a little bit of explanation here, and this will be free too. It's just the way it is, you know. The fullness of God dwells where? Dwells is in the present tense. Now, Alice can prove that or disprove me, but I'm going to tell you I'd rather have you believe it than have him disprove me. <laughs> but dwells is in is in the present. This is written 60 A.D. See what he did? 
Oh, there, there we go. Okay, uh, should dwell. Our eros, is that for that word? Active and, oh, it's in the infinitive. There we go. That means perpetually. Now, notice where it is he dwells. Where it is, where does the fullness of God dwell? In that verse. In him. Now, remember that Jesus dead and gone 60 years ago when this was written. This is written about 60 A.D. You with me? And dwell is in the infinitive. He's going to dwell perpetually. But he's not physically, it's not talking about when Jesus was physically here. It's talking about in him, is in him his body, the body of Christ, which is the church. Look, uh, keep that, but go to Ephesians chapter 1, 22 and 23. Let's, let's read it, and that'll clarify it. <clears throat> chapter 1, 22 and 23, I think. Right here. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is what? The fullness of him. Isn't that the same phrase that we had over there in Colossians 1? Yeah. Same fullness of him who fills all in all is where? What is the fullness of him? His body. We have to be in his body. His body is the what? In that verse, the church. It's the fullness of him that fills all in all. God's habitat is the church. It's glory land. How do you look at it? Well, if you look at the church today as you see it in the world, it's a mess. But if you look at it from Revelations chapter 21 and 22, man, it is truly the glory land. And that's how you need to see it because that's how God sees it. All right, let's go back. In, in chapter 1 of verse 20, all the fullness dwells in him. Infinitive. Perpetually. It's always in the church. Ephesians 1, and 23 makes that clear. Verse 20, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through what means? How has he united the Jew and the Gentile? Here, here you have... The Jews sitting on this side of the Holy of Holies and the Gentiles sitting on the outside of the Holy of Holies with a curtain in between. What did God do? He didn't say, now Gentiles, uh, Jews, let's, let, let's all get together. You know what he did? He yanked the curtain out between them. And they were, they were where they were sitting in there facing each other. He said, now deal with each other. <laughs> That's not exactly how it went, but that gives you the idea. You see, that was... Through his blood, when his blood was shed, the veil was rent, pulled out from underneath them, separating, um, desegregating the holy place from the holy of holies, so that the Jew, the outsiders, and the Gentiles, and the, and then the uh, Jews were all facing one another equally because of the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ is the source of peace. Through the blood, peace, that comes through the blood of his cross. We, in our country, we are trying to attempt to get the peace of compromise. 
with all the nations. We want to deal with China. If you want peace with China, somehow you have to get them to understand that there is no peace apart from the blood of Christ. We want peace with Russia. We want peace with China. We want peace with North Korea. We want peace with everybody that we can't have peace with until they recognize Jesus as the Messiah and that we recognize that there is no reconciliation until we are reconciled under the blood of Christ. It just won't happen, folks. All the work that you're paying your taxes for is futile. It has absolutely no merit because there can be no peace apart from the reconciliation that comes as the result of coming under the blood of Christ and the forgiveness of sin. Well, let's look at one more. That's how important the blood is. Hebrews chapter 10. And here's a warning. We'll close with this one. I'm not done, but we'll close anyhow. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 29. How much severer punishment do you think he will deserve as opposed to under the law where you had two or three witnesses you were put to death if you did wrong? But how much severer punishment do you think he will deserve? who has trampled underfoot the Son of God. You better pay attention to what goes on with the Lord's church and the message that is preached. Because if you trample, you know, to trample, what kind of things do you trample on? Things that don't mean anything to you. And if you are abusive of the word or ignoring it, don't have any use for it, no time for it, no feeling for it, It has no place in your life. Trampling underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant. Well, I just don't see this thing about blood. Well, we read in other passages where there is no forgiveness apart from the shedding of blood. We've read read all that stuff. Folks, you've got to put it together. Right now, he said if we... If we regard as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the spirit of grace, man, you have a problem. How much severe punishment do you think you will deserve? That's why we have to think right about the blood of Christ. We have to think right about the blood of Christ. We have to think right about how we enter into the forgiveness of sin. The churches of our world today do not teach the right way to come into the blood of Christ. Don't fall into that trap that somehow there is some other way than God's way. God's way is the way. God's the way is the only way. And there is no way that you can avoid trampling underfoot the blood of the covenant and get away with it. How severe punishment, more so than under the law. And just remember, there is 
no way to be washed in the blood of the Lamb until you have done what the Bible says you must do to wash away your sins. Without the blood of Jesus, there is no remission of sin. You must come into the blood of Christ at his uh, death, which is we do through water baptism, as the Bible teaches, and then we perpetuate that covenant at the Lord's table. Folks, we cannot trample under our foot the blood of Christ and get away with it. You can't, I can't, no one can. Anyone who hasn't heard this message but lives in our proximity, they are being held by God responsible for what we're saying today. And you will either live or die. You will either spend your eternity in hell, uh, heaven, or in hell, depending on what you do with that truth. Let's stand.